Hey everyone, I'm Ben Gramico from InterNACHI, that's the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors. And um, today we have a special guest on NACHI TV, NACHI.TV. Uh, if you go there, there's where we do free live webinars, probably one or two a month for, for home inspectors, um, available to everyone, uh, open to everyone, it's free, it's online, and every webinar is video recorded and we put it up on our YouTube channel so you can watch it later if you can't attend or you got to do a home inspection. Um, today we have Paul from Energy Conservatory and he's going to talk about um, blower door um, and building science, blower door tests, blower door inspections, the value of blower doors and energy audits and building science um, for us home inspectors. And um, it's one of the things that home inspectors can get into. Uh, blower door, you could rent one, you can own one, uh, you stick it in the front door, and it's the idea is you either pressurize or depressurize a building, and you find a lot of things like, well, primarily air leaks. It's amazing how much a building breathes or really loses air. Um, every home has ventilation, and what we don't want is a, an old home or a brand new home, any home, to lose a lot of air. And what we, as home inspectors, do as we go up into the unfinished attic space and we take a look at um, the insulation and the ventilation and the structure up there do you ever open um, grab a, like a fiberglass blanket a bat of insulation pull it up like maybe the yellow or or the pink fiberglass and there's like this black mark on the underside um, that's not mold um, that's dirt uh, because uh, the fiberglass insulation is really like a big filter it's a filter glass and air is escaping from like the interior walls uh, and other areas going right up through the insulation and right out the house. And when air escapes a house, money goes with it because that's, that's just an energy loss. So as home inspectors, we could educate ourselves on what, is, um, what information would be really good for our home inspection clients um, related to energy. And when we find problems, what can we do? Maybe we could hand off the information um, and uh, educate our clients and give them a contractor, maybe a home energy performance contractor or an energy auditor or someone to come in and do a blower door test so that they can air seal and then insulate. So um, that's what I'm really interested in. And with all the energy and climate uh, news going on, maybe that's what home inspectors could be interested in as well. Um, Paul, are you available? Yes. Awesome. I'm going to give you the controls of the of the webinar, and you can take it from there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks for that great introduction. And um, blow doors are certainly becoming uh, more and more commonplace as as building codes start requiring a blow door test. Most states require blow door tests for new construction now. So it uh, certainly would be uh, a great market for home inspectors to move into. Um, we're going to be talking primarily about blow doors, but, but anytime you talk about blow doors, you have to touch a little bit about uh, building science so you, you better understand how air moves through a house and and those kind of things. So I've been with the Energy Conservatory uh, for over 10 years now doing tech support and, and training. Um, we are the manufacturer of the Minneapolis blower door and, and duct blaster systems and, and we sell these um, all over the world. Um, in uh, my, my first career was carpentry. I did, I did framing as a carpenter for about 15 years and made the transition to doing energy audits for a weatherization program in 1991. So I've been using um, this equipment for a long time. Um, the Energy Conservatory started making this equipment in the early 80s. So this, this is not new technology. This, this has been around for, for a long time. Um, we will start, um, We'll, we'll talk about what is a blower door, just get down to the real basics uh, of what is a blower door. Um, talk about air, some air leakage basics, setting up and performing a basic blower door test, um, what the results mean, how to find the air leaks, and um, uh, why air sealing is important, 
and and um, some unintended consequences. We'll we'll get into that also. So it, it's primarily used as as uh, finding locations for air leaks. That's that's the big advantage to the blower door is you can find where those air leaks are and seal them. But it's also used to to verify the quality of work and measure improvements if if you're going to your contractor and you want a starting point and see how much you're improving it, it it's great for that or for quality control after work is done um, and and it gives you a way to quantify how much of your energy bill is related to air leakage and um, and experienced insulators that that use blower doors will will do a blower door test when they're going out and doing a sale and it, it shows a certain level of professionalism and, and they can determine the potential uh, potential energy reductions based on on um, doing the air sealing and, and then they can confirm um, also that it's done a lot of a lot of comfort is is impacted by air leakage. If you've got, got cold drafts or hot, humid air getting into your house and leaking through your house, um, it, it really does affect the comfort. Um, and it gives you the advantage of being able to set mechanical ventilation rates um, um, based on, on uh, uh, for new construction, mechanical ventilation rates are based on the, the size of the building and the occupant of the building um, but with with existing homes you can determine if it's tight enough to need mechanical ventilation or maybe after some air sealing is done you're to the point where where you may need mechanical ventilation so you can use that blower door to help um, help determine that um, code compliance I mentioned that uh, most states require blower door testing for code compliance now um, certifications like a home energy rating um, we'll, we'll require uh, blower door tests. There are some utility programs that have um, incentives for doing air sealing and uh, blower door tests are required for that. Um, certification and compliance now are kind of um, uh, meshing and melding a little bit more. Starting with the 2015 um, International Energy Conservation Code, you've got an option to go uh, um, on an uh, energy rating index, a certification uh, index uh, that will is your path for code compliance. So, so those two are kind of compliance and certification are, are starting to meld with uh, new construction now. Um, some air leakage basics: um, you do need uh, both a hole and a driving force to get air movement. An example of that would be if um, if it's 70 degrees inside and 70 degrees outside and, and you open a window um, and it's a calm day, um, what happens? Um, nothing happens. <laughs> there's no air movement through that hole because there's no driving force. Um, some of the driving forces um, you may have heard of, of stack effect and um, stack effect is a function of how tall the building is and the temperature difference between inside and outside. One easy way to think of that is, is air has weight, right? It gets lighter as we go up into the mountains and, and heavier as we get down towards sea level. Also, cold air is heavier than, than warm air. So if it's colder outside than it is inside, that cold air on the outside pushes down on the earth more, and that forces air in on the lower part of the house. And, and physics says that, um, air in must equal air out, otherwise our house would implode or explode, so the, the pressures um, equalize each other and, um, and air will leak out of the upper part of the house. In the middle of, of where of a house is uh, what's called a neutral pressure plane, and that's where half of the leaks are above that point and half are below. And, and when it's cold outside, the farther you get away from that neutral pressure plane, the stronger the pressure of air either moving in or out. So um, when it comes to air sealing, the place that you can get the biggest bang for your buck where the pressure is the highest of air leaking out is between the house and the attic. 
that air is leaking out in, in, in cold weather. In, in warm weather, this stack effect, uh, you get a reverse stack effect. So now the air is coming in the top part of your house and leaking out on the bottom. And, and that's why in a, you know, on a two-story house, we think hot air rises and that's why it's hotter on the top floor. But part of that is air is also leaking in from the outside on the upper part of your house. So, um, so you're getting heat from that 140 degree attic leaking into your house too. So that's the place where you can get at and seal the, the most air leaks after a house is constructed and, um, and have the biggest effect on comfort and, and energy savings. And that's one of the places that um, our home inspectors who are infrared certified that use a infrared camera can really uh, uh, enjoy their uh, work because, um, boy, in the summertime, if you scan with your infrared scan uh, camera, the second floor bedroom ceilings, you know, where the kid is having a, a different environment uh, experience than the rest of the house, um, you can see along the edges, especially near the, the eaves, um, usually a, an indication of something abnormal. Right, right. And um, so, yeah, this this uh, image kind of kind of dramatically shows um, the stack effect in this building. You've got plastic over the windows, and you can see it being sucked into the building on the on the lower floors, and the upper floor it's blowing out. So the neutral pressure plane you can see pretty definitely is between the second and third floors. And, and air starts moving out um, at that level. Um, wind is another driving force that, that certainly causes air to move. It'll, it'll blow in um, on one side of the house and, and blow out um, on the other. Um, another effect is the me different mechanical systems will affect airflow through a house. Um, when you have a, a natural draft or induced draft furnace, natural draft water heater, fireplace, um, when air is going up the chimney, um, that changes the pressure in the house slightly and um, air will uh, be sucked into the house to replace that air that's going out through a chimney. Exhaust fans um, do essentially the same thing, whether it's a, a clothes dryer, kitchen fan, bath fan. When you turn on the exhaust fan, it, it exhausts air out of the house and instantaneously an equal amount of air will leak in. And it'll leak in wherever it can you know it it changes the pressure in the whole house and and causes air um, to leak in from the point of least resistance um, interior door closures along with the air handler running can change pressures in houses also if you have a bedroom with with a supply and no return and you close an interior door um, that that will pressurize that room and and now any leaks you know any holes air will move across any holes you know some of the holes will be around that that uh, interior door air will go underneath that door but any leaks to the outside air will leak out also and remember air in uh, has to equal air out and it will cause air to leak in um, through the rest of the house to replace the air that's being blown out when you close that door so mechanical systems uh, you know an air handler and um, closing closing uh, doors that have a supply of no return um, can cause pressures in a house that that drive infiltration hmm. and exfiltration both. Um, this is a good image that that um, gives you ideas of some of the places where air will leak into a house. Certainly, you know any sill plates or or rim joist details. Those details have a lots of cracks and uh, lots of places where air can leak in. And um, in air leaking out of the house, you can, if you've got a chaseway going from the basement all the way up into the attic, like in this case, it's showing a, a chaseway for, uh, for a B vent, for a uh, furnace. And, um, you know, that's warm, so that's gonna drive the, the air even more. And, um, and you can have leaks all the way from the, uh, from the attic down the basement. I, I've seen leaks where you could drop a tennis ball from, from the attic and it would bounce off the basement floor. So big air leaks. And like was mentioned earlier, if, you, if there's fiberglass insulation around that, you pull that back and it'll be filthy from, um, insulation doesn't stop air movement. It just filters the air and make sure the air in the attic is clean. <laughs> uh, 
So other places drop soffit details um, in kitchens and bathrooms. Um, sometimes over the cabinets, you'll have a drop soffit detail. A lot of times uh, they may have uh, recessed lights in them. And, and those recessed lights are, are designed to have airflow through them to, to keep that, that can cool. And um, that air can leak right, right up into the attic too. Um, and you think about interior walls, they're gonna be uh, room temperature and that warm air in, in this case, um, typically those drop soffits were, were framed before, uh, before it was sheetrocked. So you can go up in the attic and you can reach right down into that air cavity, that, that uh, I'm sorry, that wall cavity. And uh, so that air is just rising right up through the insulation up into the attic through those kind of details too. And then certainly electrical wires, um, switch plates, um, air can leak right through there up into the attic. And um, <clears throat> you definitely see that when you're using a, an infrared camera along with a blower door. Um, you can find where those electrical penetrations are in the attic when you turn on um, turn on the blower door. It pulls the air back down in the opposite direction and, and pulls that air down down the wall cavities. Um, around uh, attic hatches, certainly if they're not weather stripped well, um, they'll leak. Um, plumbing, any plumbing penetrations, uh, plumbing vents, um, you'll you'll get air leaks around those also. So there's a lot of concentrated air leaks or in uh, in bathrooms, which are real humid environments, and and that air moving into the attic will bring moisture with it and can lead to uh, condensation problems and, and roof decks rotting over time um, caused by that moisture getting up uh, into the attics above bathrooms. And I'm sure you, any anybody who's spent a lot of time in attics is, has seen their share of that. Um, another detail that's, that's common in story and a half homes is that space between the floor and the ceiling, the joist space, is, is room temperature again, and oftentimes that's open into a side attic, and that warm air will just move right up into that uh, attic space. And, and you know, those of you in cold climates where you, uh, you have frost or snow on a roof, um, you can see by melt patterns where, where the air is leaking, where there's missing insulation or where air is leaking because the frost melts off first there or this, you can see the, uh, the snow isn't as deep or there's bare spots in the roof where, where the heat is, heat is escaping either through air movement or, or lack of insulation. Um, so that's uh, on the left is showing our, our blower door system. And typically you will, in most cases, you'll depressurize the house. So you're blowing air out of the house and causing air to leak in um, from the outside. Um, it will put the entire house under, under the same pressure. So pressure changes by the same amount everywhere. As long as you have uh, doors open, openings um, between, uh, between floors and between rooms, um, you will, uh, you'll get an equal uh, change in pressure throughout the house. And um, so the, the pressure across all the leaks will, will be the same. And, um, and it uh, gives you a good representation of the total amount of, uh, of, of air leaks. Um, the, the pressure we put the house under is 50 pascals or 0.2 inches of water column, if you're familiar with, with water column. Um, and that's, that's not a pressure that the house doesn't see normally. Um, it's, it simulates about a 20 mile an hour wind, only it's coming from all directions. So it's not pressures that the house doesn't see normally. So people are often wondering, you know, if they have an infant or pets, is is this pressure gonna gonna harm them? It's certainly nowhere near the amount of pressure um, that you feel when your ears are popping when you're going up in an airplane or or uh, down a steep hill or something. Um, it's certainly not not that kind of pressure. Um, so it's certainly not going to do any harm or or damage. Um, to anything or anybody. Hey, Paul. Um, yes. What, what if the house? What's the, what if the house has a um, like a fireplace, uh, a chimney that goes outside, and you've got a blower door? Do you? Is it a? Is it just uh, uh, shut the 
shut the um, damper door, or do you have to actually, um, you know, maybe seal it up a little bit better than that? Well, what uh, first of all, you do want to make sure the damper is closed. <laughs> if you have <laughs> yes. ashes ashes in the fireplace and, and you don't close it, I've done it, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have two, unfortunately, <laughs> and it, it doesn't look uh, a good in a house with white furniture or white carpet. Um, right. It, it definitely pulls ashes down everywhere. If, yep. um, and we would certainly, before doing a blow at our test, when, when the appointment is being scheduled, we would ask homeowners to clear out the ashes. But oftentimes you get in a house and there are still ashes. And none of those old dampers uh, seal tight. So there will yeah. be some airflow. Um, so what, what I would do is, um, this was a while ago, but I used to always um, ask for newspapers and spread newspapers over the ashes and that, that way they don't spread. Um, newspapers are kind of a rare thing these days. So you might, you might need to bring, um, bring some paper with you to, to cover over that, that um, the ashes in the fireplace, just to make sure you're not kicking up, um, kicking up ashes. If they have a lot of fireplaces now will have doors that will close in front of them and then, then it's not going to be an issue. But if it's an open hearth, um, then it's a good idea to cover cover those ashes up to make sure you're not going to spread them around the living room. But it's one of those things that's always open normally. So it's one of those things also that you wouldn't seal with uh, sealant, air sealant. So right. I always thought it would be um, one of those things that you would want to close up more than just the damper in order to do a good blower door test. Yeah, I, I have seen um, people who will, if if you never use your your open hearth fireplace, um, you could you could cut a piece of, of foam um, and and push it up in there. I would certainly recommend having a string coming down with a label on it saying "Remove this before you start a fire." <laughs> uh, but you can you can make with um, you know like couch cushion foam only only. Uh, uh, you know, is dense, a much denser foam, but pushing that up there so it makes a good air seal um, and, and just leave it in there because it yeah. certainly is, that is a leak that's going 24-7. Um, um, yeah. they, don't, they don't seal tight and, and they do leak. Um, setting, um, so we'll, we'll go over um, setting up the building for the test and, and certainly um, you want to, to have a protocol for setting up the building because your blow dart test won't be repeatable unless the building is set up uh, the same way every time. And uh, we certainly recommend closing all, um, all windows and exterior windows and doors. And I would take it a step farther and say lock, lock all of the uh, windows and doors because that pulls it up a little bit tighter and, and gets a better seal. And then you're sure that you know, that way you're going up to every window and making sure it's shut all the way and locked. It's not that the locking makes it that much more airtight, but if you leave it open a quarter of an inch, that can be a big leak. So you want to make sure they're all closed. And I would go the extra step of, of locking them for the test. Um, also, um, you want to determine is, is if it's got a crawl space or basement, is that conditioned or unconditioned? Um, and, and keep in mind that the pressure boundary and thermal boundary um, you uh, should be aligned. So you can kind of tell by sometimes a basement ceiling will be insulated, but the pressure boundary really is the outside walls and not the ceiling. So is is you know so it it's not always um, obvious how how you should set up for the test, but. But you wanna you wanna have a, a systematic way of, of setting up the house for a test. Um, a um, attached garage, you know, should that overhead door be open or closed? Uh, if you have a a porch that's unconditioned but has storm windows, should those storm windows be open or closed? Um, the, all of those things can affect um, can affect your results. So you want to make sure you have a systematic way of of setting up the house. So if you come back and do the test, you'll get the same results. Then um, we'll talk about setting up blower door equipment and performing the test. Um, so this is 
these are the three parts that come with the blower door system, the frame, the accessory bag, and the fan itself. So we'll open the frame bag, um, set out the, the pieces on the floor, and, uh, and connect them. So you can see you, you want to push, it, push in that, um, that button and slide it in, and it'll snap into place. And the frame is gasketed um, to make a, a good seal around the door opening. Um, then you'll adjust it and, um, and tighten the, the cam lever or tighten the, uh, the screws to, to get it um, uh, approximately to the size of the opening. And then the way I do it is I'll, I'll just put the red nylon panel over the door and then push the frame up against it there. And then you can see there's Velcro there. So you'll, you'll pull down the, the Velcro and, and uh, then push it into the opening and then adjust it so it'll fit tight in the opening. And then there's a cam lever there too that you, you throw the cam and it gives it a little extra push against the frame to get a, not only a good seal, but to hold the, um, you know, you're gonna be applying a 20 mile an hour wind blowing on that frame and you don't want it to pop out of the opening during a test. So um, after you get it tightened down, you wanna pull on the top part of the frame and make sure that it's in there tight. Um, most people who do a lot of blower door tests have gotten hit in the, in the head with the frame a couple of times and then they learned <laughs> you got to make sure and get it in there tight enough. Um, and then the way we measure the difference in pressure between inside and outside is using tubing. So we'll run a piece of tube to the outside and have that away from the fan so the, the flow of the fan isn't going to affect the end of the tubing. Um, and we'll drop the fan into place. There's an elastic band that, that tightens up the seal around the fan. We'll pull that around and then a Velcro strap goes through the handle on the fan and then around that crossbar and um, gets the, the fan snug in place. Um, and then putting a, a hanger bar on that frame and putting our gauge board on there. So the gauge and the fan speed controller, you can see those two uh, cables running down. Um, from, from the speed controller, we'll plug one end of those into the fan and the other end into a wall socket. Um, we'll put the, the pressure and flow gauge on there that's held on by magnets onto that gauge board. So you can see the rheostat for adjusting speed. And um, now the gauge is turned on. And we'll use the tubing assistant, that, that app that's on the bottom, it's a touchscreen. Um, touchscreen gauge and the app on the bottom is a tubing assistant and that helps us. It's kind of a tutorial on, on setting up the gauge and it asks us four questions. The first one is what kind of test are you doing? Are you doing a, a, a building envelope test, a duct tightness test, measuring the airflow through an air handler system or using um, some of the other devices like measuring exhaust fan flow? Um, we're doing a building tightness test. Are you pressurizing or depressurizing? Most often you'll you'll depressurize or blowing air out of the house. If you have a case where where um, you suspect there's mold in the wall, um, maybe you're investigating a mold problem and and you suspect there's there's mold in the wall, then you want to pressurize so you're not pulling those spores into the house. So there are instances where where you would pressurize and not depressurize. Um, is the pressure and flow gauge in the house or outside? Your tubing uh, connections will be affected by that. And then which fan are you using? So those, once you have those four questions answered, then, um, then it will show you how to connect the tubing. And um, each channel A and channel B, there's four taps all together. One is an input, one is a reference. <clears throat> and the it's measuring the pressure difference between those two locations. So it's telling us on channel A reference to run a tube to the outside. Channel B input um, goes to the fan. So it's going to measure house pressure on A, fan flow on B. Um, then we'll go to the home screen and, um, and we'll connect the, um, and this is kind of a close up of that, that home screen. Um, now we went through that setup, so it set up our our uh, fan, which fan we're using, uh, flow at 50 because we're doing an envelope test or we're testing at 50 pascals. It set our cruise for, for 50 pascals so we can use the cruise function and, and have the, 
the gauge ramp up the fan for us, or we can grab grab uh, with you know touch with our finger and pull the fan speed across the um, and turn it up that way, or we can turn the knob on the fan so you can you can run the speed up a, a couple of different ways. Um, and then where it says open fan here, open fan is for for big leaky houses um, as um, houses get tighter, you need to, the reason we have, we have different size flow rings on the fan is, is because um, we're actually measuring a pressure at the flow sensor and then we're converting that pressure to flow. Um, and the pressure needs to be high enough for us to get a, a good reading. Um, if the pressure is too low, we need to make the opening smaller um, so it'll raise the pressure. So you can think about like an air handler system, if you, um, if you have a big duct, the pressure isn't very high in the system, but if, as you start making that duct smaller and smaller, if you're moving the same amount of air, the pressure is gonna get much higher. So by making the hole smaller that the air is moving through, it'll raise the pressure up high enough so we can get, uh, get uh, accurate readings within the calibration range of the fan. Um, so to change that um, ring, we'll, we'll touch on where it says open fan there and um, the screen will come up and we'll choose, we're gonna choose ring A uh, in this case, so we'll choose ring A um, and then we'll connect the tubing. Now we can see a pressure on, um, on the A side and uh, it's at about negative 1.3 is our baseline. So we wanna, we wanna um, set that baseline. We're gonna subtract that negative 1.3 because we want the pressure in the house to change by 50 pascals. We don't wanna just bring it up to 50. We wanna change the pressure in the house by 50. So we, right. we, um, we set the baseline on the gauge. So we click on that button and then it starts averaging on the right side, it counts up in seconds, and on the left side, it's gonna be a, um, a time-weighted average. And um, once that stays, that it's gonna get more and more stable as we add more and more seconds to it. And once it stays the same for about uh, um, three or four seconds, then we can enter that number in. And when we enter that number in, it, it subtracts that, in this case, it subtracted that uh, 1.7 um, from our from our reading, um, that number will still fluctuate. If if we have a little bit of wind, it'll still float around. But we subtracted 1.7 from that number, so we're going to get a change of uh, 50 pascals. Um, then we want to remove the rings and um, the rings that we have it set to ring A, so we'll leave ring A on there. Um, and now we'll uh, in this case we're just turning the knob up. Uh, until we get close to 50 pascals. We have it set in pressure flow at 50 mode, so it's not on the right side, that's not the CFM moving through the fan, it's what the CFM would be if we were at exactly 50. So it's doing a conversion, um, so the flow that it's showing is at 50. So as long as you're within a few pascals of, of 50, you're gonna get an accurate reading. So that's it, as fast as you can turn the knob up, um, the pressure in the house will change. So the actual, um, testing it to get a reading part of it um, goes very quickly. Okay, and then um, the, um, so that'll give us, give us an air leakage at 50 Pascal reading, and then we'll wanna normalize that leakage based on the size of the house. And that's done either using air changes per hour or um, CFM per square foot of uh, enclosure area. Um, I like the metric of square foot of um, um, CFM per square foot of enclosure area because that's where a building leaks, right? That's where the holes are. You're trying to measure how big are the holes in the enclosure area. So it makes more sense to uh, um, to normalize it based on the enclosure area sides. Um, current codes uh, ask for uh, air changes per hour though. In um, most of the country, it's three air changes per hour and um, in some of the southern states, it's five air changes per hour. But that's that's slowly changing. In uh, commercial buildings, the code is based on um, square foot of enclosure area. Um, so it's kind of moving uh, that direction. It should move over that direction in time. 
Um, you can do a multi-point test too, use software and um, and have the software control the, the fan and you can do that now with, uh, with an app on your phone. Um, the gauge has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth so you can connect to your phone and, and run a blowout or test from your phone and then generate a report and, and email it or send it up to the cloud. Um, Multi-point tests, what that means is you're taking readings at, at 50 pascals, 4540, 3530, 2520, 15, and then it uses all that data to determine a more accurate reading. And then also, you know when the test is done what the accuracy and repeatability of that data is also. So on a really windy day, you might want to add more data points or run the test again. So you, you'll have... Um, you know, much better level of confidence in your reading when you do a, a multi-point test. Um, finding hey, where the air Go ahead. Jim has. Jim asks, should you open all the interior doors and closet doors prior to starting the test? Yes, yes, you definitely will want to have. Closet doors aren't as important because that's a really small volume, but certainly you want to open all interior doors um, during the blow our test. So we're we're testing the house as a single zone. Um, good question. Um, finding the air leaks, um, um, using your hand, you can certainly feel where, where air is coming in um, with your hand. A smoke puffer um, helps helps find it a little better and helps uh, quantify it maybe a little better or, or showing a homeowner uh, it's a better visual. Um, using infrared cameras, certainly when I started in the early 90s, um, infrared cameras were close to $20,000. Um, even 10 years ago, a good infrared camera was $5,000. Um, now you can buy a, a decent infrared camera for about $600 and it's just a, a device you snap onto your, your cell phone. Um, and, and they take, uh, um, they, there's pretty good quality ones now for about $600. And I think a lot of home inspectors do already have infrared cameras. So you can already find um, find areas of missing insulation with that if you've got a temperature, 10 degree or so temperature difference between indoors and outdoors. And you can find some air leakage, but but only, only on the part of the house where air is leaking in. Um, if air is leaking out of the house, you, you can see it somewhat from the outside, but it's always best to do it from the inside because Things like vinyl siding or aluminum siding really play havoc with uh, where is the air leakage and what are you really seeing. And, and um, infrared cameras can be can be tricky. Um, you need to know the emissivity of, the, of what you're looking at. Sheetrock isn't really affected by that. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about infrared cameras, but it's really easy to mis, um, misrepresent infrared cameras. It's worth going through a level one training if you're going to get serious about, about using infrared cameras. Um, zone pressure diagnostics, there, there is a way to determine how much air leakage there is, for example, between a house and an attic. And that, that can be um, that could be critically important um, for an insulator if he wants to determine where's the best place to air seal. If, if you know how much air leakage is between the house and the attic, you know not only what the potential is, but if you've gotten it all. Um, so um, so those are techniques that require some software and some knowledge, but, but, uh, but it's out there and it can be done. Or if you have an area like a, a moldy crawl space and you want to do a perfect job of air sealing between a house and a crawl space, um, there are ways to to do tests to determine if you've gotten it all. Paul, you're saying air seal air, and sealing the air leakage. Uh, a lot of home inspectors, um, we're training them on this, on this recommendation because historically uh, a lot of home inspectors will go up in an unfinished attic space. They're required to approximate the depth of the insulation and try to figure out if there's a defect or not or a deficiency. And then their recommendations are often just add more insulation. Would you recommend um, tweaking that recommendation to include air sealing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you if if you do if you do you um, insulation without air sealing, you you can actually 
cause problems. Um, yeah. An example of that would be uh, attic condensation. So in cold wintertime um, um, conditions, um, that any of that air that leaks into the attic is carrying moisture with it. And if you add insulation, you're going to make that attic colder and you're more likely to get condensation. And if you're bringing the same amount of moisture into an attic that you were before and now the attic is much colder, you could you can cause some pretty serious problems. And the effectiveness of the insulation is, is really diminished by uh, not sealing the air leaks first. And it, it just makes it way harder <laughs> for the next person coming in um, to do the air sealing if, if you've got extra insulation up there. So it is, yeah, it is really critical that um, that the air sealing be done. Yep. Um, and it'll show you some quick infrared images. Um, black is cold in these images, um, white is hot. And when you turn the blow order on, you can start seeing um, where where the air leakage is, and in this case, it's leaking right down into into some drop soffiting details. Um, this one was uh, air leakage from between a house and a garage where that that wasn't sealed properly. Um, this one, there was a cantilever over the front of the house, and and a lot of air leakage through that um, through that cantilevered section and down through the recessed lights. Um, recessed lights are they're they're designed to allow a lot of airflow to keep them cool, and um, and and this uh, that streaking across the ceiling is is a classic sign of air movement um, through a recess light um, and attic hatch the same way. And doors we can feel air leaking through doors on a windy day, um, and but you can just see it dramatically with uh, with an infrared camera. Hey, uh, hey Paul. Coming, yeah. Uh, Mike asks um, a question. There's a couple of questions about unfinished attic spaces. A house that has a walk-up attic and it's not finished and it has no heat supplied to it, should you have that door open or closed during a blower door test? It's closed, yeah? If, uh, yeah, if it's not a condition space, um, then you would have the door closed. Yeah, if and it's not finished, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The idea is to close that door and then watch how much air leakage is through that door to the unfinished space from from heated conditioned air to uh, air space to that unfinished attic space right right yep, yep. and then uh sorry if i mispronounce it anio um is there a way to do a zone pressure test for the attic space to determine ventilation efficiency <laughs> Um, yes, yes. Actually, when you do the zone prior pressure diagnostics, it does tell you um, the results in that software will be how much air is leaking between the house and the attic, and also how much air is moving from the attic to the outside. And, and you can determine, it will also show you how many square inches of opening area there is. So it'll, it'll definitely tell you what the net free opening area is uh, of your attic venting. Cool. Okay. Um, so this uh, this image you, is uh, is showing you how you can see missing insulation. So in this case, it's colder outside. Um, black is cold, so we can see our our uh, rafters are colder than the space between them. So the space between them is insulated. Um, we've got have better insulation value in the space, so it's warmer. Um, but over to the left side, you can see where there's some missing insulation where where that's um, that's the ca that, uh, cavity in that space is colder. So you can see areas of missing insulation by looking at the temperature of the studs. Um, unintended consequences: um, tighter homes need may need mechanical ventilation. You know, if I think back to uh, I'm a grandfather myself, but I think back to my grandfather's generation in the homes that they grew up in, um, they didn't have insulation in walls or attics. They didn't have uh, clothes dryers or kitchen fans or bath fans. And um, though if the wall cavities got wet, there was enough energy and enough air movement where those uh, wall cavities stayed dry. But that's certainly not the case in in homes now. We wouldn't um, people wouldn't want to live in in homes that were that leaky or uninsulated 
um, as they were back in those past generations. And a lot of changes have happened in my fathers in, in my generation where homes are certainly getting much tighter. We're adding kitchen fans, bath fans, uh, clothes dryers. Uh, kitchen fans are getting bigger and bigger. And a lot of times now when you turn on a, a kitchen fan, uh, it could potentially backdraft a water, a natural draft water heater. Or for sure, if a kitchen fan and a clothes dryer were on at the same time, you can you can have problems. So, um, and and the need for mechanical ventilation as homes get tighter and tighter, um, the the air quality um, gets gets poor in a house, and and CO2 levels rise, um, and um, and it's it's not not healthy to live in a real tight home without mechanical ventilation. So doing blowdar tests can help help tell um, if the home needs mechanical ventilation. Um, so it, it's good practice if, if you're gonna be making changes to a house, whether it's adding a kitchen fan, um, adding bath fans, or making the house more airtight, that you do a, um, a test to make sure that natural draft uh, appliances aren't spilling their exhaust into, into homes. Um, in relation to unintended consequences, like you said, um, are the are the same criticisms of uh, doing a blower door test? Do they, do they still exist? Like when they first came out um, of doing a blower door test, many people started saying, "Oh, you're gonna ch you're gonna suck in the moisture from the outside uh, into the wall cavity and cause mold, or you're gonna suck in radon gas." or you're going to change the indoor environment, maybe even suck in asbestos into the air and things like that. Are those are those criticisms of doing a blower door test still exist today? Um, you know, there are, there certainly are issues where if you, if you have, um, uh, if you have mold in your walls and um, that's when you would want to do a, a pressurization test instead of a depressurization test. Um, if, if you have, um, vermiculite in, in your attic uh, and, and there's not there's not a consensus with vermiculite in an attic whether you should do a depressurization or pressurization test or, or, or whether it matters um, so that's still a debated item some people will check for um, vermiculite in an attic um, before they do a blower test and they'll only do pressurization tests um, that's not consistent across the board it's there's not a uh, 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 an agreement on that, but uh, certainly it's, I mean, it's a technology that's been around since the 80s and, and is, is been well vetted over time and, uh, and is required in, in most states for, for code compliance. So um, I think those, uh, those uh, concerns about, about doing a blow order test have, um, have been dispelled. Um, so what we recommend for a safety test is turn on um, any device that could change the pressure in the house, closed dryer exhaust fans, uh, air handlers, uh, closed bedroom doors that have only supplies and no returns, and then start up the water heater and check it for spillage, a natural draft water heater or a natural draft furnace. Um, using a smoke puffer to see if the, the exhaust is going up a chimney, or a mirror actually works pretty good. If you put the mirror up against the draft hood, it'll fog up if, uh, if there's spillage. Uh, the best method is to measure the temperature coming out of the draft hood, and if it's 35 degrees above the ambient temperature, that indicates that um, you have about 10% of the exhaust coming in the house. But most of the time, it's not either a little bit or or none, it's either all or none. <laughs> um, where where um, the house is under enough pressure, so it's it's a complete downdraft where all the exhaust is is coming in the house. So, I think we've uh, we've pretty much used up our 45 minutes, but we uh, I, I could stick around and and take some more questions if uh, if anybody has questions. Yeah, if anybody has any uh, last minute questions. Um... Uh, please on Facebook or uh, during the webinar uh, in your webinar system, please post it right now. Um, Mike says, yeah, he was told not to do any kind of blower door test if he suspected asbestos in the house. So there must have been. Is there a standard by which 
Um, if I am a home inspector, I'm not doing the blower door, but maybe there's one taking place and I've been hired to oversee it. Is there a standard by which um, blower doors, <laughs> energy auditors using a blower door, um, perform a blower door test? Is it ResNet? BPI? Uh, yeah, ResNet, ResNet has has standards, um, BPIS standards on on uh, for blower door testing. Um, weatherization programs, uh, low income weatherization programs are in every county of every state, and they're weatherizing um, homes for people who qualify for for energy assistance, and and they have standards. Um, there there aren't consistencies across all of those programs um, in every in every state across the country on how to deal with um, asbestos. I would certainly if 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 there's clearly a lot of friable asbestos in in a basement, for example, maybe around boiler pipes or around um, even around some uh, heat duct, sometimes there there was asbestos. If that's clearly friable uh, and and any air movement across it could cause it to become airborne, I I wouldn't do a blower door test either positive or negative. I, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Um, yeah. So, so that if you see a lot of that in your area, I, I would certainly be cautious. Um, and, and people who have mold allergies, you know, if 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 you're doing a, a moisture investigation and somebody has some some really bad mold allergies, you need to be real cautious. Um, also, and and typically pressurizing a house would be um, would be the way to to go and if you find that there's a lot of air leakage through walls or air leakage between a uh, a moldy crawl space and um, and a house there are certainly big advantages to um, uh, to dealing with that air movement uh, as part of a solution but but I've got into into homes uh, doing moisture investigations mold uh, looking for for um, uh, sources of mold and and people are having severe allergies. One person in the house is having severe allergies to mold and I couldn't find anything. And I've gone into other houses where they're having an energy audit done and it has nothing to do with mold. And, and, yep. and there's mold everywhere in the house and it doesn't bother the occupants at all. So it's kind of all over. If, if people have mold allergies, you, you, uh, you definitely need to, even if you can't see it, you need to be extra cautious. Um, a few questions. Justin asks, what is the cost of a unit? Uh, the, uh, the blower door system, complete blower door system is about 3500 now. Um, and that includes the, uh, um, the DG1000 pressure flow gauge and, and all of our apps and software are, are free. And it's easy to get through for tech support too. Um, you know, when you when you call somebody actually answers the phone <laughs> and you get through to somebody right away. So that's um, that that's what we pride ourselves on at the energy. We have another question. How can you become an energy auditor? Um, usually it depends on on what type of energy audit you're doing. Um, the two most common three. Well, there's three kind of common things that would be in the energy audit field. One is, is um, doing it for code compliance. And, uh, in, and that's, easy, that's actually the easiest branch to, to get into um, because you don't need to know a lot of building science. You're basically running up a lower door and getting a reading. Um, if, if you have an agreement with with the builder that if you fail, you'll help them find where the air leaks are, then that's kind of another level of, of uh, sophistication. But but just setting up the equipment and doing a blower air test is kind of the entry level. And, um, and BPI has a, um, a certification for that. You, you don't even need to take a class. You can just take the test, a field test, and uh, make sure you're, you're confident in being able to do a blower door test and uh, um, uh, a duct leakage test. And that's called um, envelope and e EDL, envelope and duct leakage certification. Um, 
And uh, BPI does have an energy auditor certification, an envelope professional, and, and uh, the energy auditor one is kind of the, the uh, uh, basic level one. Um, and that's another level of certification. And a lot of, of the low-income authorization programs require a BPI certification, so you'll need to be certified before you, you can uh, work for them. Um, and and Jay asks, what, what, what sources does Paul recommend for purchasing a blower door and other equipment? Um, we, we sell direct or we yeah. sell through uh, um, a network of distributors. So, so you could go, um, you could go either way. And so whether you purchase from a distributor or not, we, we still provide the tech support. And it's energyconservatory.com. Right, energyconservatory.com is a website. And uh, we currently don't have, um, you can't order um, over our website. You'd have to call uh, to place an order. How long does the average test take? Say a 2,000 square foot house, two-story home, something like that. So if you're doing it for code compliance, where, where you're just going to pull up to the house, um, set up the house and test conditions, run the test, and then pack up your equipment and go, um, you could, uh, once you're proficient at doing our tests, um, it would be probably 20 to 25 minutes um, uh, to do all of that. So it's it um, that it's pretty um, um, you know it, it it's it's not a, not a lot of time. And actually, you know, like I said, as fast as you can turn the knob, the, <laughs> um, it'll change the pressure in the house. So it's the setup that's uh, set up and tear down. That's and and getting the house set up for the test that um, that takes the most amount of time. And, and this typical, is, you know, what I hear from people is for that type of blow dart test, um, the going rate is is somewhere around three hundred dollars. And a duck blaster uh, test is something a bit different. Right, right. With that, you have a smaller fan, and you're using a flex duct to connect that to the duct system. You're sealing off all the registers with the register sealing film, and then bringing the ductwork up to pressure, and and taking a reading at that pressure, and um, and that that's a little more time consuming than than a blower dart test. Um, that that could be more like an hour instead of a half hour, you know, somewhere in that range. Yep. Um, and it depends, you know, certainly if the if the house is unoccupied, it's easier to get at all the registers. If uh, if registers are hidden under beds and things in an existing home, it's going to take you a little longer. And Justin asks, I was thinking that this would, could be an easy upsell um, to a home inspection. Is there an Internet? Uh, sorry, is there an Internet certification course? Uh, yeah, actually there is, and it's free and online. We have probably uh, 30, 40 hours of free online training with videos of BPI and ResNet um, uh, energy auditors, trained energy auditors. So you can just watch the videos, you can take the courses, you can take quizzes and exams if you want and see if you're really interested in it before investing in a really expensive training course. Um, Brian says, what is the recommended cost for doing the test? How often do you think this test could be added to a home inspection? Well, this is kind of like a business practice, I guess. So you mentioned you, you had a $300 um, idea, um, Paul, in mind, you heard? Yeah, yeah $300 is what, what I've heard that is kind of the going rate for a, a blower dart test for, um, for new construction. Um, if you're going to do additional diagnostics with an infrared camera and, and documenting that and providing a report, um, you guys know how that goes. But um, roughly when I was doing those kind of investigations, um, and either indoor air quality or um, or energy, um, I, I would spend twice as much time on a report as um, as in, I spend in the field doing the the diagnostic testing. So you, you certainly, if you're going to provide a report, you have to charge charge a lot more, other than just a simple report of the results. Paul, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us and do a webinar with us. It was really great. Um, getting a lot of thumbs up. It was uh, really helpful to a lot of inspectors who are attending and uh, watching the video later probably. So I want to thank you for, for doing that for us.
Okay, great. And my, my phone number and, and website or are, are, uh, email address are on there. And our, our website also has a lot of our past webinars. So if you're looking just for more information, um, check out energyconservatory.com and look at the past webinars. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Okay. Bye, everybody. Appreciate it. All See right, you next thank time. You. Thanks, Paul. Yep.